Turn three. Positive rotation. Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. Ignition. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Have a nice flight. We'll see you back here. Our guest this week is the acting commander of the 126th Operations Group, Lieutenant Colonel Jason Knapp. This one, my friend, is a two-parter. We had so much fun talking, we kind of lost track of time. So we have to split it up. This one, uh, the next one will come out in uh, two weeks. Female pilots are about to get more comfortable in the cockpit. That's coming up on Around the Air Force. And, oh, oh, I got to get my Cardinals hat on for this. I almost forgot. There are free, I almost forgot to put this in the podcast. There are free Cardinal tickets out there. It's all part of the National Guard Bureau teaming up with uh, the Total Force Recruiting Service. Uh, also teaming up with the St. Louis Cardinals for the Salute to Service event over Labor Day weekend, the 1st through the 3rd of September. If you're a Cardinals fan, or if you're just a baseball fan, I salute you. Uh, they have, I mean, if you've been around the stadium, you've probably seen the ANG stage located in uh, Ballpark Village, as well as advertisements on the field. You'll see them, uh, they have spray-painted, if that's what it is, the uh, ANG logo, <clears throat> excuse me, onto the pitcher's mound uh, uh, during certain games. And then, uh, well, they rotate out uh, advertisers, and then you'll see it up behind the, uh, the, uh, the home plate as well. So as part of the Salute to Service, our members have an incredible opportunity to watch the Cardinals game for free as they take on the Pirates on September 2nd and 3rd. The Cardinals have supplied us with tickets for Saturday's game and Sunday's game. For right now, it's for members only. Uh, if you'd like to attend either game, it is requested all service members attend the game in OCPs. Parking for both games will be at the expense of the member. There are a few good spots that I will, I'll tell you. How about Pine Street East and West? Good one. And the uh, it's called the Shoe Factory Lot. That is a, a good one. Uh, as well. Now, to get these tickets, you're probably saying, all right, tell me how to get to these tickets. All right, I'll tell you how to get to get these tickets. Reach out to Master Sergeant Rich Olson. His email is richard.olson.6 at us.af.mil. Tell them what game you want to go to and uh, what email, uh, well, use your ballpark app and tell him the, uh, so the MLB ballpark app, that's how you're basically getting out tickets now. Uh, tell them the email that you use for your MLB ballpark app, and he will transfer them to you. The Illinois Armed Forces Free Legal Counsel, Il Aflan, uh, provides civil legal services across Illinois. It is a network of more than 10 legal aid organizations and law school clinics. You can call 855-452-3526 to speak to an attorney. If you are a veteran, service member, National Guard, reservist, spouse, or dependent in need of legal action, I'll put a link in the description to that phone number and more about the Illinois Armed Forces Free Legal Counsel. That is Il Aflan. Hi, I'm Mike Richmond of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs with information on an important free resource for veterans, the VA Health and Benefits app. The tool is like a one-stop shop for veterans. It allows them to view or cancel VA medical appointments, send and receive messages from healthcare providers, and download VA benefit letters to provide veteran status 
or disability payments. Veterans can also manage existing VA claims, find the closest VA medical centers, and get quick access to the VA crisis line. You can download the Health and Benefits app on your iPhone or at the Google App Store, or wherever you normally get your mobile apps. If you already use this app, please share your feedback on your phone's app store. That's the VA Health and Benefits mobile app. I'm Mike Richmond. We welcome to the podcast the former commander of the 906th Air Refueling Squadron and now the uh, acting 126th Operations Group Commander, Lieutenant Colonel, or should I say Colonel Select, Jason Nab. Congratulations on the selection, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so how long uh, are you going to stick around? Are you going to join the National Guard and become the uh, Ops Group Commander? That is the question that I get asked every day by numerous people. Um, <laughs> you know, God will get me in a, at the right place at the right time, and uh, my family and I will make a decision decision that is best for us so uh great 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 answer you must have been coached by pa <laughs> <laughs> so you were the 90 so who's the new commander of the 906 area feeling squadron for folks that weren't there and, and didn't know so it's 10 colonel eric wolf um he was the do for the last year uh we we pulled him in uh from mcdill he was the chief xp down at mcdill at the time was on the command select list and so we pulled him in to be the do and then uh after doing his time as the do for a year we moved him into being the commander he was selected to be the commander. Uh, so as the, the, you're on a command list, does that mean, does, is that somebody that, is that, uh, do you interview the next incoming commander or does this 375th uh, commander interview for the interview for that position so one of the cool things about the total force is that it's not just the 375th uh wing commander that will interview or select that person um it's, it's both wing commanders oh okay um, but also part of the tfa is a lot of times they give a peek behind the curtain for the squadron commander to you know give their inputs on on the list that they see to make sure that we select the right person for that unit um because it's Let's be honest, it's not just a normal air refueling squadron you're going to. Right. This is a, this is a total force unit that is encompasses 32 different AFSCs, uh, a lot of different specialties, um, unlike a normal air refueling squadron that may be 21 aircrew uh, and then a couple admin. Uh, we've got maintenance. Uh, I'm sorry, Eric has maintenance, <laughs> comm, intel, uh, air crew, so boom operators, pilots. Uh, they also have POL, uh, all kinds of different maintenance specialties. Oh, I didn't know that. So it, it is almost like a little mini wing in a lot of ways. So it is complex, it's unique, and it's amazing. What is the squadron's role as it fits into the 126? So part of the 126 is it's just like, I don't want to say it's like every other air refueling squadron, but it <laughs> is. So they're part of the operations group, uh, ultimately, because uh, the commander uh, of the 906 is the squadron commander, uh, just like in the 108th. So you have two air refueling squadrons that sit underneath the group. Uh, so we, the 126 air refueling wing has operational direction right. uh, for the 906 ARS. Uh, and that means that they don't, own us administratively, but on day-to-day -day basis for training, for operations, for any kind of O-plan, uh, it's all run by the 126, and we're fully embedded into the 126. Now, the only thing that's different is that 
my Eric's. <laughs> You're getting used, get to used to that. Yeah. So the 906 commander uh, actually reports to about four different group commanders. So Holy cow. You've got the ops group commander because you're working for that individual directly. Right. You've got the MSG because you have people working for the MSG. Oh, and I never thought about that. MXG, so the maintenance group commander, because 90 of the 141 personnel work for the maintenance group commander. And then I have my administrative group commander. So the 906 commander report to what is Colonel Livy right now, who mm -hmm. is the 375th ops group commander for all administrative actions and things that are awards, decks, OPBs, EPBs, and things like that. Wow. So we, you talk about total force. What is uh, what encompasses uh, total force? I don't think a, a lot of people understand that uh, the 906, as you've been saying, they're a full-time force. They're they're PCSing. They're you know ETSing. They're moving around. Uh, they may only stay a couple uh, you know a year or in a couple years in uh, the same spot. But what is uh, uh, total force? So <laughs> it's funny when I showed up at. Um about eight years ago, I showed up at Pease Air National Guard Base. It was one of my assignments. Oh, really? So I was very fortunate to be part of Total Force early in my career. Um, it's no different than any member that comes here uh, to the 126 for their first career. A lot of active duty folks, they don't understand the Total Force. They don't know that there is guard, reserve, uh, that there's full-timers, part-timers. There's people that are architects or airline mm -hmm. pilots or painters, right. doctors that are outside that come in over the weekend or just part-time to serve their country. Um, that is one of the things that really is kind of a slap in the face initially because you're like, I, I didn't know this existed. Really? Because when I joined the military back in the day, I didn't know that it was National Guard. I'd heard about it, but I didn't know what it was. Really? In Ohio, there's reserve and National Guard all over the place, like S-16, as they got C-17, C-5s. Um, all I knew is I wanted to serve my country. And right. so active duty was the way that I went because that was the way that my all of my relatives went and that's the way that I went. Yeah, um, I, I guess I, well, how did you go? Did you go to ROTC or did you go to the academy? So I was ROTC. Um, I originally went to Ohio State thinking, hey, I'm gonna work a job. I'm gonna get my pilot's license. I'm gonna fly for Delta <laughs> because that was my path. You know, I was in Cincinnati at the time. Delta was a huge hub back in the day. Uh, both my neighbors on either side were Delta pilots. Oh, wow. And so my dad also flew and I was, um, so for me, I just wanted to find any path I could to fly big or sleek, small, fast aircraft. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Um, so naturally, when I got to Ohio State. The we, Ohio State, right? In the the you, Ohio State uh, University. That's how you have to say it. Uh, I get corrected all the time. Uh, <laughs> it, it is the Ohio State University. Why? Okay. Go Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, ROTC was the right route. Um, I wanted the college experience. I wanted to go to the Ohio State University, um, really any flying college. I applied to a lot of different colleges uh, out of high school, but I knew I wanted to fly. I knew I wanted to lead in some aspect and the military was a natural progression to get me there. Um, it was funny, uh, the day that I told my dad that I was going to the military, I went to a barber, a new barber, big mistake. And, uh, <laughs> I was trying to look good because I was going to let my parents know that I was going to join the military. Oh, nice. Um, they were not in the military, but we had relatives that were. My grandpa served in War II. My great-great-grandfather served in the uh, Spanish-American War. Like, wow. there was a lot of history. Um, so I go, and I ask them a little off the sides, a little off the top. The guy made me look like I was joining the Marines. So <laughs> it was a high and tight. I show up. My dad looks at me from across the restaurant as he enters and goes, 
what did you do? Oh, and he's no. like, did you join the Marines? What did like, what is, and I'm like, well, no, but I did join the air force ROTC. And he's like, okay, that sounds good. You're gonna go fly jets, right? I'm like, well, we'll see, you know, I have to compete like every other ROTC student. You know, I had a lot of flight time going into it oh, growing really? up around aviation, but, uh, it, ROTC was the right place for me. So you, you can't go into ROTC and say, I want to, I want to be a pilot. This is the track that I want to be on. It's, I guess it's, it's like ROTC in the army, uh, where I guess the, they kind of slot you in your, in your grade and, and you get first choice if you're in the mm -hmm. right spot. Well, there's, there's so many different career fields, right? So right. pilots make up somewhere between three to 6% of the air force. Is that right? It's very small. Wow. So there is a selection process. I think out of my class, I think there was 15, 15 to 16 people that applied and about six of us got pilot slots. Wow. So, um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Do you have previous experience? What were your grades? Um, what was what is your commander's ranking? So just like in the Air Force, there's a whole calculus that goes into if you get selected. That doesn't mean that you, because you didn't get a right to RTC, you're not going to become a pilot if that's what you want. Oh, I see. I have friends that became navigators, acquisition officers, and things like that that ended up applying later on, uh, followed their dream, and then became a pilot. Some of them stayed where they are, and they you know, they grew and they bloomed where they were planted and did fantastic things in their career fields also. You know, we were talking about the, the National Guard and the Guard. I, I don't know why I knew about the, when I joined the Army, I knew about the Guard only because they, they were, went to our basic training. So we were Guard and, well, I was full-time, we were full-time and Guard. The only difference is they got to go home between basic training and their tech school or what we call AIT. Sure. They went home, we continued on with field artillery training, which was just like repeating basic training all over again, because you have the same drill sergeants and all that, and they just, oh boy, it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, so um, I was surprised to find out, this is naive of me, that there was full-time guard people. That was a new one to me. I was like, oh, I just thought you guys shut down and it collected dust for a, a year. Yeah, 110%. Um, for me, it was going to pilot training. There was some guard reserve in my class. And I, was, I met this uh, really nice uh, gentleman from Indiana. And he's like, well, I'm going to go fly F-16s. I'm like, ha, that's funny, man. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you're going to fly F-16s? He's like, well, I'm, this is my guard unit. It's like, I... I didn't know that existed. Really? I had no clue. So that was my first interaction, not even in ROTC. I really didn't know a lot about the Guard and Reserve. But then in pilot training, I met a lot of very uh, incredible people that were part of it. Uh, and that was news to me. And so we're all competing. You know, it's cutthroat competition to see, are you going fighters or bombers? Are you going to go to a heavy aircraft or right. reconnaissance aircraft? Um, and these, uh, these folks, although if you go to a fighter, you get a place in the top 50% of your class. So there is, oh, okay, you have to meet a certain mark but they knew where they were going right out of the bat. Um, that's interesting. That's really special. It's a, it's a neat way of going about your career. How does the 126th uh, help the 906th Airmen in the, in the full-time Air Force in, in their career? Because it seems like you know, they, can, they can teach each other something. Oh, 110%. Uh, the total force is the key to success of this military. Plain and simple. Uh, without the total force, uh, you know, the majority, especially the tankers, take the tankers for an example. You know, the majority of KC-135 aircraft are in the Guard and Reserve. So the way that we interact. Oh, so how many percent? It's, it's like, it's about two thirds of oh. the KC-135. So it's a big percentage. Wow. Uh, so when you look at that, we've got to enter, we, we have to be able to 
uh, build strong partnerships and relationships with our guard and reserve counterparts because that's how we're going to fight if we have to go to another real big conflict. Um, you cannot just go alone with an active duty force and and be successful. You have to have that relationship that you build. Uh, so members that come to the 906 are getting you know that training. Like they're 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 walking into somebody else's home. Because let's face it, a guard unit is, is a home. Yeah. And you're walking into it. It's not like your three-year tour somewhere else, although your squadron is, will always be your home. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're walking into a place where people have been there for 20, 30 years. And you yeah. just need to realize that. So you get that perspective. They understand the Garden Reserve. It's not this anomaly that just exists out there. Right. And you understand they're just like you and me. They, they signed up to serve their country and to preserve freedom. And that's important to realize. We're all here doing the same thing. Although that person may be doing something off, you know, <laughs> somewhere else, a majority of the time as a primary job, when they're here wearing this uniform, they're just like you and me, and, or I'm sorry, like myself in active duty. Right. And it's no different. That is, uh, it's, it almost reminds me of like moving to a new school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people have been there for years and you're like, you know, you got to kind of, figure out the the territory and the lay of the land we were just talking about that you know military kids um guard reserve active duty doesn't matter what it is are very resilient right Mm -hmm. um they may have moved around um maybe not as much in the guard when you're when you're in one spot but some guardsmen or reservists move around a lot in their Mm -hmm. career too Mm -hmm. but i consider my two girls very resilient because they've moved like 10 times in their life you're kidding and so when they go to new school it's almost like oh i get new friends you know i'm going to put them on my list of contacts and we'll you know we'll play online and we'll do things together remotely um but uh, they've had the opportunity to build that resilience throughout their life so moving is not always a bad thing um sometimes it's a a way to build your resilience for future things that are coming along in your life so how many times have uh, you moved just in your military career? Um, so including training, probably about, it's somewhere in the 11 to 15 times. Holy cow. So every time that I moved uh, in the early part of my career, I was training for a new aircraft or recalling in the KC-135. I was in the T-1. I taught uh, uh, pilot training for four years at Columbus Air Force Base. So after my first assignment um, at Robbins Air Force Base as a tanker pilot after okay. pilot training, I had to go to San Antonio to, qual- as a pit, uh, to qualify at pit, which is a uh, pilot and uh, instructor training. Okay. Became an instructor, went to pilot training. After that, I'd go back to Altus to requal as a KC-135 pilot. Okay. After that, I went to school. So you had to do, that's a six month move to, how long is Altus? Six months? So Altus is somewhere between three to four months for recall. Oh, okay. My initial qual after pilot training was about five months. Oh, wow. Uh, I was part of the very first dual seat qual class in the KC-135 when they were deciding to make co-pilots sit in either seat. Oh. Instead of going a traditional route. Uh, so it was a little bit longer uh, than the typical four months for your initial training. So co-pilots were just co-pilots back in, yeah, in the, the old days? All you had to do is raise the gear, talk in the radio, and run the checklist. It was fantastic. <laughs> no, all, all, kidding, all, all kidding aside, it's, uh, it, so you were traditionally, you were a co-pilot, you were attached to an aircraft commander that ran the show, um, and they were training you to be an aircraft commander. Oh, right. But what they decided was, why not sit them in the left seat sometimes, give them that experience. So when they go to become an aircraft commander, it's an easy flow into that seat. So all they have to focus on is making really good, safe decisions. That's, uh, so you were, you were a pilot in training in 
Columbus? Columbus, Mississippi. Oh, Columbus, Mississippi. I was going to say, wow, you were close to home. I wish it was an <laughs> OHIO, but it was not. Um, yeah, so Columbus, Mississippi. It's a, oh, man, when I, when I drove into that town, I was like, where am I? I was like, this is a swamp. Like, but oh. it ended up being a fantastic location. We lived on base. We had our two girls there. Um, there's something special about going to a pilot training base where you are completely engulfed in people of like mind, people that are in your career for that are excited. Right. You know, they're energetic about what they're doing. Um, we met a lot of really great people in the local community too, uh, and made some really good lifelong friendships. So it ended up being a great location. In Mississippi, it, it just, there's, it seems like an interesting place. Uh, it has so much history. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just a very, it's a different, I guess it's, it's, it's an interesting place that I'd like to explore. Yeah, there's lots of history. Um, you say good or bad, you know, there's just history. Right. There's a ton of history, uh, diverse history. And um, we, we, I wouldn't say we dove deeply into that history, but what we did do is try to get out and experience the area. No matter where we move, we do that. Right. We try to understand uh, where that, um, that city or that culture was born from and where um, everybody, you know, what, their, what are their beliefs? Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the unique thing about being in the military and traveling around, you get that opportunity. Right. And I think that's really important because it makes you a more well-rounded person that understands that the way you think is not always the right way. Right. And that's, you know, that we were talking about it uh, before we came on the air is uh, I like, I don't like traveling. I like moving to different locations because you get to experience, you get a deep dive into that, uh, to that culture, like living in Germany for four years or two years, or, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's so, it's just, uh, more, uh, what's the word? It's just more engrossing, I guess. Yeah. It makes you a stronger person. I think in the end, uh, it re it really builds, I, I know I said resilience a lot, but that's not what it is. It's, um, it, it opens your aperture. Yeah. Right. Right. To just that there's more out there than just the bubble that you grew up in. Right. Uh, I grew up all over the place. So I kind of, my aperture was already wide when I joined the, um, the military, but like my wife, she grew up in Cincinnati her whole life. Wow. So she meets, she meets me and she's like, <laughs> we're going to move every three years. <laughs> and that was a big awakening. Uh, but she is rallied. She is my partner in crime when we're moving around and trying to find new things. We always try to find something special about each location. Right. If you don't, then you'll be miserable where you move. And you've really uh, attached to one place in particular, it sounds like. Uh, you're talking about Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we love Alaska. We became a residence when we were there. Um, but my family loves outdoor sports. We're outdoor sports junkies. I'm, nice. a, I'm big into any kind of sport or event that gets my heart racing. Uh, when it comes to, uh, I do hang gliding, I've skydived. Um, I just got my, both my little girls. So they're 12 years old, Megan and Madison. They just became certified open water scuba divers with me. Are they twins? They are twin girls. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, fraternal twins, they are different. Um, yeah. You know, um, Megan's got blue eyes and kind of uh, curly hair. Well, what's a wavy hair? Right. And Madison is brown eyes and straight hair. Oh, wow. Two That's different cool. personalities. They're fantastic. So you taught them to scuba dive? We did. So I, I went out to Swansea in Scuba World and ended up uh, getting my certification, something I've always wanted to do. I'm like, I'm going to get scuba certified. I love the ocean, uh, everything about it. So I got my certification. And then I was talking to the owner, Mike, and I was like, well, how old do you have to be? <laughs> He's like, well, you need to, I think it was 12 years old is what he told me at the time. Oh, wow. I was like, okay, well, I've got two soon to be 12 year olds. 
And so I took them down there and we did the, I redid the course with them online, oh. made them do all the quizzes themselves, study, take the tests and quizzes. And then they went and did the practical with Scuba World uh, in the pool up at the McHenry uh, Plex. And then we went down to, um, it's a quarry down near Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, sure. Uh, near uh, Metropolis, I think is what Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where uh, the first radio station I was ever on the air was in Metropolis. Uh, we Superman's broadcast. from there, right? Superman is from That's there. That's right. The big statue. Yeah, the big statue. We've got a picture in front of it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I've my made my family stop at it. I've made everybody that I drive down, when we went to a training, I made everybody stop at the, the Superman statue. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys scuba dived at a quarry down there. We did. Uh, we're trying to plan a trip right now to go out to probably the Gulf in Florida or the Keys. Uh, I want to take them to where the water's warm. The problem with the quarry is, uh, except for like about a month in the summer, it's pretty cold. Oh, really? Yeah. So we, um, you get down below about 25 feet, you hit a thermocline, and mm. it gets super cold. Well, my daughter, Megan, is like 75 pounds, right? There's <laughs> nothing really to her. really her down. Well, so you have the tank, you have the vest. We, we stretched two wetsuits across her to get her, you know, keep her warm. But she got about 25 feet down. She's like, mm -mm. no, no, no. Mm. It is way too cold. Let's go up. <laughs> uh, so I want to take them somewhere where they can really experience it. My one daughter, Madison, is unique because she wants to be a marine biologist. Oh, that's cool. So I really want to give her the opportunities. Um, to take that and run with it right it may not be what she uh, ends up doing in the future sure but maybe it is maybe she comes like you know a world-renowned marine, marine biologist someday and Jacques i just Cousseau. hope i just hope i i can give her those experiences to eventually do great things in that career field hopefully are there fish in that query or that quarry there are there's um huge catfish really uh and there's an albino catfish it actually scared me one time i was you take hot dogs down with you right oh bags, okay and you crumble them up and then you flick them out and the fish will come up and eat it well those catfish are so big we're talking like three feet long oh my gosh you can flick a whole hot dog out there and they'll just <laughs> they've got it and uh they purr like cats really they make these really unique sounds uh but the probably the most um uh, unique fishes down there is the paddlefish Oh sure, they got the long paddles on the on the nose, right? Huge snout. snout, yeah, big snout, and uh, they're a little more they're harder to find in the quarry. Oh um, really? They like to go a little bit deeper and into oh. the darker water, so they're not up near the surface. So oh. you, you go down about thirty five feet, uh, and you'll start seeing them out in the middle of the quarry, which is very unique. But they'll scare you because it's not it's not as much. Um, sunlight down there so it's harder to see long distances oh man uh so they'll creep up on you and be like whoa paddlefish <laughs> so we will hear more about the relationship between the guard and the air force and where colonel nab sees the wing going that's coming up in the next podcast military families now have another financial option to assist with the cost of dependent care the Department of Defense expanded eligibility for the Dependent Care Flexible Spending Account to allow service members to set aside up to $5,000 in pre-tax earnings for qualified expenses. Those expenses include child care for dependents under the age of 13, care for incapacitated family members, and other benefits that enable family members to look for work or attend school full-time. Enrollment for the new initiative will be active during the federal benefits open season from mid-November through mid-December. Airmen and Guardians have a new avenue for mental health referrals. The Brandon Act is being implemented across the Department of the Air Force. 
It's named after Navy aviation electrician's mate third class, Brandon Caserta, who died by suicide in 2018. The act allows service members to request a referral by contacting their commander or supervisor in grade E6 or above. That invokes the act and speeds up the process to get an appointment the same or next day. A referral can be requested for any reason, and service members can keep that information confidential. It's mandatory for commanders and supervisors to honor a Brandon Act request. Female aviators are getting a new flight suit. The new advanced aircrew combat uniform is being distributed to active duty women. It's a two-piece flight suit that accounts for female hips, waist and chest, making for a more comfortable fit. The first round of suits go out to 41 bases identified by the Air Force Uniform Office. Air Force Material Command bought 15,000 suits for issue. One of the organizers handling the new uniform issue says it's a huge deal because women typically wear flight suits made for men, and a more comfortable fit means it's easier to focus on your job. That's your look around the Air Force. I'm Technical Sergeant Vernon Young. Here's something I didn't know. Department of Psychological Health can see spouses for counseling. Call and make an appointment today. Some things that you might want to talk to your DPH about might be the, you know, the stresses of work, relationships, anxiety, depression, mindfulness, uh, all those you can talk about and more with uh, DPH. That's the Psychological Department of uh, Health. Call for an appointment today, 618-363-1426. Location is the fourth floor of the hospital. Hours are 07 to 16.30, 4.30 p.m. Who for those who practice uh, civilian time and on drill weekends. You can find out more information uh, about what's going on in the wing, like you can find out about uh, legal services and whatnot uh, through the 126th Military Family Readiness mailing list. I'll put their email in the description of this episode to get you hooked up with uh, some great information. If you haven't seen our Facebook page or Instagram recently, go check it out. We have some cool photos from the wing's uh, refuel of the Thunderbirds. Also check out our YouTube page for the 906th change of command from Colonel Nab to Colonel Wolf. You can find all of our links on Linktree. That's linktr.ee forward slash 126. If you're watching uh, on YouTube, you can uh, take the podcast with you. You can uh, listen to it on your favorite podcast app. If you want to pass along some information, you can email rollcall at 126 at gmail.com. That's 126rollcall at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. Yeah.